Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Now, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Today's message is going to be a little bit different. You guys can play. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Earlier this week when I was praying, I got my instructions for this. This message is a little bit different. Not so much line upon line teaching as we're used to. But I believe I'm supposed to take you on a journey. A journey to the throne of God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things, I looked. Now what things? Revelation chapter 1, it reveals that John the Apostle, now in his 90s, is on the Isle of Patmos. And this Isle of Patmos was not a nice island vacation. It was a prison colony. He was sent there for his testimony and his witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. They had tried to kill him, but it didn't work. And so what could Caesar do with a man he couldn't kill? He said, well, let me throw this old man on an island and see if I can forget about him there. But the thing is, when he got off the boat, criminals were provided with food and water, but still harsh conditions. But political prisoners were left to wander the island by themselves. So here's this 90-year-old man walking the island, no food, no shelter, no extra provisions. You would think... This is not the ideal condition to be in. He finds a cave for shelter from the weather, from the elements. And as he's in that cave, he hears a voice from behind him. And he turns the scriptures to see that voice. And he sees the glorified Savior. He sees Jesus. And Jesus begins to give him a message for the seven churches in modern-day Turkey. And then after all these things, you have to think that if you would have asked John at the beginning of that day, do you, what do you think you're going to see today? I doubt Jesus was high on the list. He was on a prison colony inside a cave, far away from everybody he knows. Very few people on that island know him or are with him. And he's in this cave. And it says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Well, it lets me know it doesn't matter your circumstances or your surroundings, you can still be in the Spirit. And in these circumstances surroundings, he turns around and he sees Jesus. Now you think, well, that's pretty good for the, what you've been going through, just a two-chapter message from Jesus is pretty good. But God had more in store. Say, God had more in store. And it says, after these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. So imagine him seeing door open in heaven. So either he has stepped out of the cave at this point or the cave disappears from above him. And what he sees is a door in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. 
And I believe today the Lord is calling us higher. That just like John almost two millennia ago heard this call come up higher. I believe that's the same thing the Father is telling us this morning. Come up higher. Come up here. And what is our response when the Father says, come up here? It's, sir, yes, sir. We're coming up. Say, we're coming up. Come on, say, we're coming up. Go with me to Psalm 120. Psalm 120. We'll look at verse 1. Come on, if you're watching online via text, go ahead and put it in the chat. Say, we're coming up. Psalm 120. Now, Psalm 120 and the next several psalms after that are what are called the Song of Ascents. And the Song of Ascents were read by pilgrims as they came to Jerusalem. No matter where they were in Israel, even outside of Israel, when God had commanded them to come back for three different festivals a year. And as they began to walk, because Jerusalem is in a high place, surrounded by mountains, they were literally ascending up. And as they would ascend, they would sing these psalms. You see, from Psalm 120 to Psalm about 134, these were different psalms they would begin to sing as they responded to the Father's call to come up here. So no matter where they were in their lives or the situation or where they lived, when they were at these three times a year, they were called up to Jerusalem. And as they went up, they were singing and reading this holy poetry. But also these songs of ascents were just used by people who were traveling to Jerusalem, traveling up the roads to Jerusalem. Some of these psalms were sung by the priest in the temple, that as they were climbing up the temple to the holy place and the most holy place, they would sing these songs. So these songs represented their response to God. When God said, come up here, they began to sing. When God said, come up here, they followed him and began to say these words. And Psalm 120 verse 1 says, In my distress I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Notice this first song of ascent. That even in my distress, in my tight spots, that's another word for distress, tight spots. When everything around you feels tight, when the pressure is coming in, you can cry out to God, and guess what? He hears you. And so as they're going up, they're leaving the distress behind knowing God has hurt them. And if you're going to come up higher, you have to leave the distress behind because you know God has hurt you. Say, we're coming up. Go to the next chapter. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. For whence comes my help? Now imagine as the pilgrims head into Jerusalem, as they look up, there are literally hills in front of them. There are mountains in front of them. And as they look above the hills and the mountains, they see Jerusalem. They see the temple. They're looking at the representation of God's power, glory, and kingdom on earth. So they say, my help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out 
and you're coming in from this time forth even forevermore come on say we're coming up next chapter you watching online come up with us Psalm 122 verse 1 I was glad when they said to me let us go into the house of the Lord they're literally ascending to the house and David writes I was glad when they announced that it was finally time to go that it was finally come to go in and so if I'm going to come up higher I have to make a decision to be glad why I have an invitation to come up higher it'd be one thing if I had a desire but no invitation but the invitation has been extended our feet have been standing within your gates O Jerusalem then verse 3 is so interesting because says Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together to so say Jerusalem in Hebrew say Yerushalayim anytime there's I'm in Hebrew it means plural and so it says Jerusalem or Jerusalem is built as a city compacted together. So when they would say it, it's an Old Testament reference to there is earthly Jerusalem, but there's also heavenly Jerusalem. And as the book of Hebrews says that we don't come to Mount Sinai, but we come to the heavenly Mount Zion. That's where we're approaching today. Heavenly Jerusalem. Where our heavenly father is seated on his throne. Go to the next chapter. Say, we're coming up. Unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. So, verse 2, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Have mercy on us. O Lord, have mercy on us. They're in a situation filled by, filled, surrounded by people who are filled with contempt for them. But they said, we're not going to look at our situation we're going to look up, and when we look up, we expect to receive mercy. Now, mercy means more than you just not getting what you deserve. Mercy is also the covenant love. It's the love that motivates God to fulfill his covenant with you. So we expect to receive the manifestation of our covenant. We expect to receive that has that kindness, that love that flows from our Father. Say, we're coming up. Go to Psalm 124. Why we do this, it shifts your perspective. I remember years ago, Tim Story shared why in Benny Hinn's crusade, they were seeing how great thou art. He says, it's a shift. And it was like when the satellites were to shift you from one station to the other. Where you go from your situation to the all things are possible network. These songs of ascent are shifting your perspective as you come up higher. Psalm 124 verse one. If it had not been the Lord, who was on our side. And before he goes forward, he jumps in and says, let Israel now say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, that as I go up, the only reason I can go up is because God has been on my side. No matter the craziness, no matter the drama, no matter the stupidity, no matter what I went through, I would have been done for, but why am I not done for? The Lord was on my side. If it wasn't for the Lord, I'd been done for, but because he's on my side, I'm coming up higher. Say, we're coming up. Verse 8 says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Go to the next chapter. Verse 1, those who trust in the Lord, say, that's me. Come on, say, that's me. Are like Mount Zion, 
which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Picture this, picture this. They are walking on Mount Zion. They are standing on this literal mountain and said, just like this mountain can't move, we can't move. Just like no one can move this mountain, nobody can move us. Our feet are solidly planted, and no matter what the world or the devil throws, he can't move us. Come on, say it with some bones. Satan can't move me. This is what they're singing as they're walking on the literal mountain. And as they look up, and see Jerusalem and the temple of Jerusalem surrounded by mountains. And it says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, remember they're looking at the mountains. So the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. They literally see mountains surrounding Jerusalem. And they say in the same way the mountains surround Jerusalem, God surrounds us. It reminds me of Elisha. And his assistant, the assistants woke up early in the morning, doubt he had time to check Instagram yet. He goes out and he sees the army surrounding him. He could have said, this faith stuff has gotten us in trouble again. All I've been trying to do is be faithful, trying to serve the man of God. And now this army has surrounded us, trying to kill us. And so the assistant runs and tells Elisha, 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 there's an army out. They send a whole army to get one dude. And what did Elisha respond? There are more that be with us than are with them. And he said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And as his eyes are open, the assistant saw that the mountains were filled and surrounded with angelic forces. Do you know what was interesting? The enemy thought they could surround the man of God, but God had surrounded the enemy. As the, Lord, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord has surrounded you and all your problems, all your enemies, all your haters, all your circumstances, all your situations. You are surrounded by God and his goodness. Say, I'm surrounded. Say, because I'm surrounded, I'm coming up. Next chapter. 126, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. When God turned our captivity, when God turned it all around, when God fixed all the mess, when he fixed all the drama, when he fixed all the circumstances, when he fixed all the situations, when he brought us back, when we recovered all, it was like walking in a dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. We were walking in the days we dreamed about. And so all we could do was laugh. All we could do was sing. This is what they're saying as they're coming up higher. As they're coming up higher, they say our dreams have come true. The joy of the Lord is bubbling up and they're singing. And then they begin to say what the nation said. Remember this word nations, the Hebrews, goyim, it means the people who don't know God, the people who don't have a covenant with God. And say, the Lord, Jehovah, has done great things for them. It, it caused the heathen to testify. Those who didn't even believe in God says, God has done great things for them. 
And here's how they responded. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with them. So if you find yourself sowing with tears, sowing in a sad season, sowing in a tight season, sowing in a dramatic season, you said, I'm just trying to be faithful, pastor. I'm sowing. I'm sowing. It feels bad, but I'm sowing. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I got some tears. There's some tears in this offering. I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm sowing. You shall return with joy, with your harvest in your arms. It's not over. Say, it's not over. Say, it's not over. Say, we're coming up. Next chapter. Verse 1. And this is a song of ascent by Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early instead of late to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with the enemies in the gate. This psalm is about the family. And as they ascend, as they come up higher, they know God's got their family. As they come up higher, they know God is taking care of their kids. As they ascend higher, they say, our kids, well, they're singing this. Our kids will speak with the enemy in the gates, and the gates are position of influence, position of authority, positions of power. And they're having these conversations with the enemy because they won. Now they're dictating the terms of agreement because their kids are victorious. And so as they come up higher, they're not worried about what's going to happen to their children or their children's children. As they come up higher, they know God's got me and he's got my generations. God's got me and he's got my family line. God's got me and all those connected to me. So as I come up, I know my family's coming up too. Say we're coming up. Next chapter. Another song of a sin about the family. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. As they're coming up, as they're singing, he's talking about how everybody in the house is doing well. The husband, the wife, everybody's doing well. The kids are growing up like olive trees and prospering. They surround the table doing well. And then he says, may you live to see your children's children. May you see good from Jerusalem all the days of your life. May the blessing of God flow from his house into your life. As they come up, they don't just believe that God's going to make it okay, but God's going to make it good. They're coming up. Not only will your children be okay, they're going to be good. 
I know you might have received a doctor's report, but you're going to see your children's children. And you're going to see that they're good. If God could do it for Job, to where he could see his great-great-grandchildren, he can do it for you. Say, we're coming up. And for that person who just thought, well, it's too late for me to have kids. Who said that? Who said it's too late? Well, they said, yeah, that's what they said, but is it what he said? Say, we're coming up. Psalm 129. Verse 1, many a time they have afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, many a time they have afflicted me from my youth. Yet, say yet. Come on, say yet. Come on, say it again. Say yet. They have not prevailed against me. They tried it. They attacked. They aimed their best weapon. They fired their best weapon. But guess what? They did not prevail. They did not win. They tried everything. They threw everything and the kitchen sink. But it didn't work. So as they were coming up higher, they're remembering all the things that happened, yet they're still able to come up higher. They remember everything that tried to keep them from coming up this year. But they can say, it didn't work. They didn't win. We're going up. Say, we're coming up. Next chapter. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, oh, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yet more than those who watch for the morning, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. He says, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm leaning in with confident expectation for him to show up. I have so much expectation in him. I have more expectation than the person who watches for the sun to rise. Now, we know every day the sun's going to rise. But the night watchman would watch because when the sun rises, it meant their shift was over. It meant that it was another successful night of no attacks, no bad news. And as the sun began to rise, someone would announce the new day. And the psalm says, more than they look forward to the announcement of the new day. I look forward and I expect God's intervention in my life. In his word, I put my hope. In his word, I expect positive good things to happen to me. Because with him, there is forgiveness. With him, there is mercy. With him, there is abundant redemption. Say, we're coming up. Next chapter. The Lord, my heart. Lord, my heart is not haughty nor my eyes aloft, neither do I concern myself with great matters nor thing, with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a winged child with his mother, like a winged child is my soul within me. 
O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Note what David said that he learned as he's coming up higher. I've learned to calm my soul. I've learned to calm my emotions. I've learned to calm my mind. I've learned to calm my soul. So it's like a baby nursing in his mother's arms at peace and calm. And so if you're going to come up higher, you're going to have to learn how to calm your emotions. You're going to have to learn how to calm your mind so that you can go up higher to the places God has for you. Say, we're coming up. Next chapter. We'll look at verse 7. Let us go into his tabernacle. Remember, that's where they're headed. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. They're heading into the tabernacle. They're heading to worship. But as they're heading to worship, they're expecting God to show up and show out. Him and his power, his strength. And as they go in, you can see the rest of the psalm. They're believing for God to do something that was promised to David. So let's let us know that all the circumstances in life hasn't lined up with the promise yet. They're believing for what God promised David to show up and manifest in their life. But as they come into the presence of God in full expectation of his glory and his power, they say, let the saints shout for joy. Why should they shout for joy? They made it. They made it. Out of everything that could have kept them from the temple, out of everything that could have kept them from Jerusalem, out of everything that could have kept them from being in this moment, at this time, at this day, they made it. And not only are they shouting for joy because they made it, they believe God is going to show up, show out, and fulfill the promises he made to David. And so sometimes you just come into the presence of God going, Woo, I made it. But I know God's going to show up and show out and fix all the other things. So what's my response? I shout for joy. Your celebration is a demonstration of your expectation. Your celebration is a demonstration of your expectation. Your shout for joy because you made it. Your shout for joy because you know God turned it. Your shout for joy because you believe his glory, his power, his strength is going to show up for you. You believe he's going to fulfill his covenant. You believe he's going to fulfill his word. You believe that everything he promised is going to come to pass. That what God has for you is for you. That no matter what they tried, no matter what they did, no matter what they said, it did not prevail. Yet you are still standing. Yet you are still here. So you know how to give God a yet praise because you know your best is yet to come. Next chapter, Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, why would they be saying that? They're there now. They're all gathered together. And they're saying how good it is for all of us to be here 
together, united in the presence of God. I made it. You made it. They made it. She made it. He made it. All of them made it. Look, here we are. We all got testimonies. We all got stories. We all have things we overcome. And yeah, we made it. We made it. We all made it. And here we are together. And it said, it's like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard. The beard of heaven running down on the edge of his garments. So they said, now the anointing is flowing. We made it, and now there's an outpour of an anointing. There's an outpour of glory. There's an outpour of the oil of God coming upon every single one of us from the top to the bottom. The oil is pouring. The anointing is pouring. We made it, but here's some fresh oil. Fresh anointing. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Where are they? The mountains of Zion. Where are they? Jerusalem. Where are they? Where the blessing has been commanded. So now they're standing in the place where the blessing is commanded. Guess where they are? Blessed. With fresh oil. Fresh anointing. With testimony surrounding how they all made it together. And now when they leave, if they have fresh anointing, they got fresh power, fresh blessing, fresh ability. So when they go from that place, they're empowered to do more than what they had when they came in in the first place. Next chapter. Psalm 134. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. It says everybody who serve God, bless his name. Bless the Lord. You who stand by night. Those of you who stand by night because everybody else is asleep. Those of you stand by night because everybody else is doing something else. Those of you who think you're in a lonely night season and you're standing at night wondering where everyone else is, bless the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Why? They're all in the sanctuary. Because everybody, lift up your hands and bless the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. Where are they? In Zion. So they're expecting something supernatural to emerge from their midst. And they say it's the blessing of the Lord. Say, we're coming up higher. Say, we're coming up higher. Another way to say that is what James 4, 8 says. We're drawing near to God. The scripture says when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That phrase, draw near, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, is what, how they used to describe all the activities of the priest. And now we know from today's message that one of the things the priests would do as they ascended to God is they would sing these songs. They would shift their perspectives, and they would come up higher. And so what we've been doing this whole message, coming up higher coming up higher to the throne of God. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. We don't have time to get in on 
get into it today. But you know, God has a mobile throne. The scripture tells us that God has a throne or a chariot that travels with him. It showed up in the scriptures. But let's go to Isaiah chapter 6 today. So why do you mention it? Stick with me for a moment. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now King Uzziah was a majority good king. He did a lot of good things. You know, it's a time of political uncertainty. The king is gone. What's going to happen? What's next for our nation? Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. When one king left, I saw a greater king sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above it stood seraphim a class of angels each one had six wings with two he covered his face with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one cried to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the god of angel armies the whole earth is full of his glory. That means this place too. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, a fiery coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, the altar that's before the throne. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, sin. So Isaiah, like John, has this experience and he's called up to the throne of God. And now Isaiah, after he takes in what he sees, he thinks, my life is over. I've seen God. And while he's about to break down and panic, one of the angels fly to him and puts a fiery coal to his mouth. And so what's the first thing God did? He changed the way Isaiah talked. And now Isaiah who's ascended to this new place, who's had this encounter with the fire of God, God asks a question, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, me, me, pick me, coach, pick me, send me, me, this dude will go. So you have to understand with a call from God to come up higher, there will come more assignments, greater assignments, weightier assignments. And God is looking for people who says, send me, put me in. I accept the assignment. When he calls us up higher, he calls us not just to do a new thing, but to do more. So he'll say, I need you to do what you're doing, plus this. I need you to handle this and that. And your response has to be, here I am, Lord. Send me. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Let's begin to close where we started as we continue to draw near. Revelation chapter 4. We'll start this time with verse 2. Immediately, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, 
and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and saw his stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And all the thrones I saw, 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Heaven's not a quiet place. We see this happen a lot at the throne of God, but even in his mobile throne, when he shows up like he did on Mount Sinai, there was thunder, there was lightning, there was clouds, there was smoke, there was sounds of trumpets and voices. And it's the seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. It's talking about the seven manifestations of the Holy Ghost seen in the book of Isaiah. And before the throne was a sea of glass, like crystal. Now, anytime in the scripture where it refers to a sea and it doesn't say what the name of the sea is, it refers to a large mass of people. And so now John is at the throne. He sees what he calls a sea of glass. So that means there's untold numbers of people before the throne of God. And it is the church of the living God. Why do you say it's like glass or crystal? They're so purified by the blood. There's no iniquity found in them. And so when God sees them, it's so purified. When you look later in the book of Revelation, it says the sea is crystal mingled with fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost. The fire of the glory of God. That's what the church looks like before the throne of God. Or as you heard earlier in the experience, the blood really worked. The blood did its job. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, similar to the ones we saw in the book of Ezekiel, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Next chapter. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside on the back seal with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice who was worthy to open the scroll and to loose his seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seven seals. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. Those Isaiah manifestations we said before. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the what? The prayers 
of the saints. When you pray, it rises before God. Scripture says it's like incense, and it's before him. And later in the book of Revelation, it talks about how God sends it back to earth in a very dramatic fashion. So don't think, oh, can't does God hear me? Is my prayer working? No, your prayers are working. They are rising. They are changing things. So keep on praying, as Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, as he told them that parable that men ought to pray always and not to faint. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Pray until something happens. Keep pushing in prayer. Keep birthing in prayer. Keep going forward in prayer because your prayers cause tremendous power to be made available, tremendous power to be released. of the saints and they sung a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. We just looked at a couple of accounts of how the throne of God is described. This wonderful, glorious, majestic throne, shrouded with thunder and lightning and clouds and smoke and fire. It says elsewhere that he is wrapped in brilliant light. Other places described like it's a literal storm, a hurricane-force storm before him. This hugely powerful, majestic, all-inspiring throne has another name. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll close here. I told you today my instructions were to take you on a journey. Starting with verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore because of Jesus and what he did and accomplished, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This majestic, glorious, awe-inspiring throne is called the throne of grace. And the scripture says, you should approach it boldly because of what Jesus did. Isaiah lived in a time before the accomplished work of Christ. But now you live in a time where the work of Jesus has been done. And he's given you the Holy Ghost to live within you and rest upon you and dwell with you. And so your instructions are to boldly go before that throne to make your requests known so that you can receive grace, mercy, and help in your time of need. To you, that throne is the throne of help. It's the throne of grace. 
It's from the place that God releases ability to assist you. It's from where you see mercy to help you even if you messed up or mercy that can causes the covenant to be fulfilled. That's what's waiting for you at the throne. And there's a number of you here today that you need to settle some things before that throne today. Settle some things in your hearts that you've been going back and forth on, things you haven't been fully obedient in, or even requests that for whatever reason you haven't even presented before God. That you need to present these things before God today at his throne and leave it there. There's some things that you know you need to pray about, but for whatever reason you haven't even been praying about it. But you need to come before that throne of grace today. And as I'm talking about that, so many of you in this room and online are seeing things in your heart or thinking of things. Yes, those things. That thing. That thing you've been delaying in. That thing you haven't been fully obedient. That thing you've been worried about. That thing you didn't dare to believe big enough for it to happen. That thing you said, well, it's a dream. I'm not sure if God can bring it to pass. That thing. You need to present it before God today. And so as the worship team sings one of these throne room songs again, and we all stand to our feet, if you need to come to the altar and place your gift of dedication, your gift of yes to God, your gift of God, I present my sacrifice to you, my sacrifice of obedience, my sacrifice of yes, my sacrifice of fully submitting to you. Whether you need to come just to the altar and kneel and pray, the altar is open. You can come to the altar, you can stay at your chair, but you need to settle some things before God today. You guys can come forward. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come before this throne of glory, whose foundations are righteousness and justice and truth, and receive help from God. Don't wait so I should have done it during church. I'll just do it later. No, no, no. Don't do it later. Do it now. Yield to what the Holy Ghost is telling you to do. Don't put it off to tomorrow. Don't put it off to tonight. Don't put it off to another day. If he's moving in your heart telling you to do it now, this is the time you yield. This is the time when you give him your yes. As he told us last week, he's been looking for a yes. So whether you need to come to the altar, whether you stand where you are and kneel at your seat, whether you're at home and have to kneel at your couch, whether you're traveling somewhere and you just need to turn towards him in your heart. Wherever you are, present those things before the throne of grace. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.